Well, it's great to be able to share with you again. It's a, a, an honor and a, a privilege to uh, be appearing on your television screens. I feel like a news broadcaster <laughs> coming at you from the BBC studios. Um, yeah, so David said um, we're continuing our series looking at the faces of the, uh, the gospel. Um, and uh, we had a great time with Ryan last week. He did such a great job of talking to us about the idea of uh, ransom. Um, how God has uh, ransomed us out of captivity um, and, and, and ransomed and redeemed are actually really, really similar, really closely linked. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll draw a distinction there between the, uh, the two of them, because our, our understanding of the, the gospel, um, the reason we're doing this series and unpacking this thing that actually a lot of us will be familiar with. You know, if we've uh, come to believe the gospel, then we had to understand something of it first. But it's really worth taking the time to come back to it, to revisit it, um, to hold it up afresh, because God will bring unique things and fresh things to it, uh, to us through it, um, to uh, draw us closer to him. That's how we get to know him better. Um, one of the ways is by understanding what he's done for us. Uh, it strengthens our, our identity, our sense of self, helps us to do life well. Um, and it also helps us to carry out our mission with God of partnering with him to bring the gospel um, into the the world around us and the uh the surroundings that we're in so it's, it's actually really really important um so the the distinction then between redemption and and ransom um <clears throat> so as i say ransom is is this idea of being held uh against your will by somebody who's got this power over you and demanding a payment for your release that's uh how, what um, ryan covered so well last week i really encourage you to go back and uh, and listen to that again um Redemption then is is slightly different. There is a payment involved, um, but it's actually a, a payment that is given to change ownership, change in ownership. So it was owned by somebody. A payment is made, and then the ownership switches to the uh, the payer. Um, so that's what we're going to be thinking about today. Uh, we're going to be exploring that in a couple of different ways, um, and. Uh, I've got a, a word that I'm going to share at the end that I, I feel like God's given me for KCC in this time. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube as well, you might find that it speaks to you um, in your situation as well. So um, do be tuning in and, uh, and listening in for what God might have for you today as well. So let's just pray really quick and uh, then we'll open up the scriptures together. So God, we just thank you for your presence with each of us right now, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whatever's going on around us. We thank you that you are present. And Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would come and fill us with your spirit. Come and fill us with your presence right now. Speak to us. Jesus, we, we welcome your word today. We welcome what you have for us. We want to hear from you. We love you. And we, we open our hearts up to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Okay, so one of the most powerful examples um and it's actually a prophetic example it it spoke of something that god would do later um with regard to redemption is what he accomplished for the nation of israel their sort of almost birth story their origin story um <clears throat> i was trying to think of some pun play on words between x-men origins wolverine that um that film that was released about 10 years ago uh, and this but i couldn't think of one so um yeah we won't bring that up anyway um, and by the way, I have a bit of a cold, so I might be taking a couple of sips of water to keep my voice from dying on me. So do excuse me if I'm um, 
doing that every few moments. Um, so obviously, those of us who've seen films like The Prince of Egypt um, might be familiar with the Exodus story in that way. Obviously, uh, some of us will be familiar with it from the Bible as well. Um, so I won't spend too long looking at that. But by way of a, a sort of a summary, um, it takes place. It's, it's uh, narrated to us um, between Exodus 1 through to roughly Exodus 12. Um, Exodus 1 to 4 is about um, Israel's growth as a nation in, in Egypt, uh, the nation of Egypt. Um, and a pharaoh that is ruling over that becomes afraid of them. He uh, thinks that they're going to be growing so great in number they might partner with an enemy force who might come and invade. So he gets scared. He oppresses them and turns them into slaves um, and kind of um, they become his property. You know, he treats them terribly. <clears throat> he uh, He's oppressive. He's an oppressive master. Uh, but God hears their cries of pain. He uh, steps in to deliver them. He meets with Moses. Uh, the burning bush episode has a conversation with Moses and says to him, look, I am sending you to go and free them. Um, so he, he sends, sends Moses as their sort of their, their rescuer, their savior. Um, and of course, Pharaoh digs his heels in as Moses says to him, you know, let my people go. He says no repeatedly again and again and again digs himself in. He doesn't want to give Israel to the Lord. Uh, so God effectively pays him in plagues again and again. You know, all the different kinds of plagues. I won't get the order right here, but you've got things like gnats. You've got frogs. You've got the water turning to blood. Uh, you've got hail and, and all sorts of things, darkness. Um, and it, it all culminates ultimately in, in God saying, right, the ultimate price is going to be the death of every firstborn uh, male in Egypt, right the way from Pharaoh down to the lowest servant girl, even the cattle. This price is going to be absolute and cover across the board. And he um, gives Israel because he loves them. He says, I, I, I'm going to make a way available for this price not to be paid by you. I'm going to absorb it, as it were, by giving you a substitute. And uh, again, we'll be familiar with this. He says to them, if you will sacrifice a lamb, paint its blood on your doorposts, then as my angel goes through the land of Egypt to carry this out, he will not enter your house. You will be safe. Now, of course, that hearkens to a future lamb that was going to be slain so that judgment will pass over them. And we're going to look at that. But it's really, really important that we understand that it was blood uh the lamb's blood that paid the price that secured israel's release because once this judgment had happened that was when israel was freed to go from the land of egypt and uh and moses led them out and and i, I say that this is a prophetic what god did for israel was a prophetic picture of what he was going to do because as, as we've gone through we've seen clearly uh There'll be things ringing off in our minds as we go, oh, that's exactly what God did with Jesus. So God works often in, in, in sort of um, prophetic patterns. So what happens once uh, also declares what he's going to do later. And so in Christ, we, we understand. Uh, we're going to hit a couple of scriptures. We're literally going to use them as stepping stones and bounce from them. Um, so if you want to kind of play fastest finger first and, and turn to them with me, you're more than welcome to. So we're going to just hit John 8 verse 34. <clears throat> uh, so Jesus is, uh, is, is teaching and he's preaching. 
Um, and in verse 34, he says to them, um, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So we understand as, as Christians that um, we needed to give our lives to Jesus and be made new and made clean by him because we were stuck in this, this place uh, where we, are, we were owned by, by sin. We had no choice. It says, the Bible says that um, uh, we can only think about what the, the sinful self wants. And we're, we're slaves to its desires and powerless to, to break free, to resist. Um, we're powerless even to clean our own lives up because let's just assume, you know, a particular point in life, you could stop sinning. That's not possible. The Bible tells us it's not possible. But if it were possible, you'd still have the weight of debt from all of the sins previously. So there's the unchangeable nature of your situation and there is the judgment that is um, the punishment that is deserving because of that sin that has to be dealt with and we were powerless to do anything about that. Uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 23 let's leapfrog to that. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 this might be familiar to us as well for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's that's the payment. The price of sin is death. We had this uh, um, proclamation over our heads, as it were, that death is coming. Just like that uh, angel that God sent into Egypt, death was coming. And actually, it's interesting that any Israelite who didn't obey God, didn't paint the blood over their doors, would have paid that price too. That price was owing by anyone and everyone in Egypt. There was only one way out, and that was to obey God to uh, take advantage of his his uh, substitute and to to come under the blood of the lamb um, but it goes on to say verse verse 23 there but the wages of sin is death but but the gift the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord his heart for us just like his heart for Israel was although that price is justly owing and uh, needs to be paid God loves us so much uh, that he you'll be familiar with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not die, but have eternal life. This is God's redemptive heart. He's so passionate about redeeming people that he, he gave his, his only son to be that lamb to pay the price so that the blood could get painted on the doors of our lives and the judgment would pass over us. This is the uh, the gospel, the lamb. Uh, John, the um, John the Baptist, in the he says this actually in the start of John's Gospel, although that's not the same John. Uh, there were a lot of Johns. Um, <laughs> he says that when he sees Jesus coming, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." And again, it was a, a recognition and a um, prophetic calling out as he was there, John um, baptizing people by the the river, um, preparing the way for Jesus. He sees Jesus walking towards him and he says, this is the guy I've been telling you about, the guy I've been preparing you for in my ministry. It's all to point to him because he is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And immediately their hearers would have understood something of the uh, the, the pointing that John was doing. They understood the, the Exodus story. So they, they would have their minds would have hearkened back to that. And the, the religious system they lived in that involved uh, regular sacrifices of, of animals, including lambs. So although they may not have understood exactly what he was saying, they would have understood that something about this Jesus is going to be uh, in keeping and in common 
with this this lamb theme and this this is the the gospel that uh, if you're a christian watching this you have come to believe and to trust that if you put your trust in the the blood of the lamb that you are exempt from paying that price yourself and you have therefore been redeemed deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 says this this is almost god's explanation for what he was doing so deuteronomy chapter 7 i will read verse 6 we'll jump to verse 8 as well so verse 6 for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Verse eight, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So God identifies there, uh, I have called you out to be my uh, treasured possession. I've called you out to be my treasured possession, a people who will be my treasured possession. His intention in drawing Israel out of Egypt was that you would be mine. You would be my, uh, my, 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 my there will be a relationship between the two of us. I will be yours and you will be mine. You'd be my treasured possession. Uh, he actually says also in um, Exodus 19, verse three to six, you don't necessarily need to turn to that, um, <clears throat> but I'll, uh, I'll just read it quickly. While Moses went up to God, uh, the Lord called out to him out of the mountain, saying, thus, you shall say to the people of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Imagine that like God's plan. We, we, we understand something probably of the how the story unfolded, that Israel didn't really fully step into this. Um, in amongst the nation of Israel, there was one tribe chosen to be the priests, and that was the, the tribe of Levi. But here before all of that, God speaks of his purpose to draw Israel out of their uh ownership by pharaoh into his being his treasured possession so that they will be a nation of priests a nation of priests a holy nation to be holy means to be uh to be pure to be righteous to be set apart for a, a particular purpose god's purpose <clears throat> so in saying that they were priests they will become ministers to god's heart imagine that privilege of being a minister to the God of the universe, serving him, loving him, uh, worshipping him, honouring him, and being loved and provided for and protected um, and enjoyed in return. It's this wonderful um, bond that God was inviting an entire nation into. He says, all the peoples of the world are mine, but you would be my treasured possession among the nations, a nation of priests. And so that is the purpose of God's changing of their ownership, of his redeeming, his redemption. Now we understand if that's a prophetic picture, that that speaks to us of our lives. God has redeemed us to make us a treasured possession. You and me watching this today, we are God's treasured possession. If we are 
in Christ Jesus. Treasured, like uh, deeply, deeply loved. Uh, you may be familiar with the, um, the, the parables that Jesus told of the lady who lost the coin um, and how she searched for it everywhere. And obviously that coin had, had monetary value and she was poor, so that was important to her. But even more so, we are a treasured possession, like the, the good shepherd going out to find the lost she- uh, sheep and, and leaving the, the 99 to find the one. We are God's treasured possession. And he's redeemed us to minister to his heart. Now, this should impact our our thinking, our sense of identity. There was a story that came to mind as I was thinking of this. And um, uh, particularly these days, it's not really a politically correct story anymore. I'm going to share it. Um, but it's um, essentially it's about a, uh, a village. I don't believe that it's a true story, although, of course, this, this used to happen. This used to be a tradition. Uh, the idea of uh, a dowry being paid um, when a, a man would marry uh, a father's daughter. <clears throat> um, and of course, we, we, we have different ideas about this today, but the story illustrate, illustrates a point. So um, bear with me in it. So it's this, this idea of um, there was a tradition in this village uh, that whenever you married somebody, you would pay their, their worth in, in cows. Um, and that was their thing. So, you know, you might um, be worth a lot of cows. That would be about 10 cows. Or you, you might be deemed as not having as much worth as that. And there was one particular woman in this in this uh, this village. I think I heard this preach in a sorry this story in a preach many years ago, um, who would hang her head in shame. You know, it was well known around the town that she wasn't really worth many cows, and she didn't have a lot of self confidence. People would gossip about her and go, "Oh, there goes the one cow woman," that kind of thing. Um, and she had a, a pretty bad time of it. She would walk around with her head low and, and fearfully. Um, but a man falls in love with her, and he falls in love with her uh, head over heels. And he goes to the father and says, uh, you know, what's the dowry? And the father says, well, you know, she's not worth much. One cow, one cow. And the man does something scandalous. He goes away, he works hard and he comes back with 10 cows. He comes back with 10 cows and he says, look, here is what I will pay you. You said she's worth one. I will pay you 10 cows. And the village are scandalized. And people came up to him and said to him, why on earth? Would you pay 10 cows for this one cow woman? We don't understand. And he said to them, I've paid 10 cows for her because you think she's only worth one. But now when she walks through the streets, she'll hold her head high, believing she's a 10 cow woman. A 10 cow woman. And you see the fact that God has redeemed us, the fact that God has paid such a high price, paid his own son, given up, to go through such a excruciating, horrible, painful death, and on top of that, to bear the weight of the sin of the entire world. He paid 10 cows on us when often we would look at ourselves and we would think, oh, well, I'm, I'm not much to, I'm not much to, to look at. I'm, I, I don't like this about myself. I don't like this about myself. We feel insecure in many ways. We're aware of our own, our own sinfulness, but God comes in with 10 cows to pay 10 cows for a one cow person because of the value he sees in you and the value he sees in me. So this should impact our thinking. The fact that we've been redeemed should make us change our countenance as we walk down the street, not in a sense of becoming proud of like, oh, well, I'm better than all of you. No, just a sense of identity and security that rests in ourselves, that we know we are enough because God paid such a high price for us. He looked at you 
And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I see the dysfunction. I see the sin. Uh, I see the, uh, the knobbly bits. <coughs> but that is worth the cost that I want to pay here. That is absolutely worth it. Uh, the Bible says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And that joy was relationship with you, that you would become his treasured possession and a minister to his heart. This truth should change our mindset. <clears throat> uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And of course, my bookmark has just fallen out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Here we are. It says this, Peter is hearkening back to what God said in, in Deuteronomy and, and in Exodus that we heard about a moment ago. He says, but you, talking to the, the church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And then it also goes on to say, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, he harkens back to this idea of priests who, of course, ministered to God. But the role of a priest was dual, twofold. You ministered upwards to God, but you also ministered on God's behalf to people. So when God says over you, you are a priest, it's the relationship with him. But it is also outward focused, looking to other people. And why it says uh, in the latter half of this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, his plan for Israel was out of the nations. They would be a go-between. And his fulfillment of that picture is in you and me as the church, that we would be a go-between, interceding for the nations, that we would pray and administer to God's heart on behalf of the nations like we did earlier. That's why prayer matters to us as a church. But that also we would be bringing the kingdom of God out into our, our spheres of influence, wherever we find ourselves, we have that priestly duty. We put on display his kingdom. We proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. Our ownership has changed. Who we are has changed. We should no longer think of ourselves as slaves to sin. You've been freed from that power, freed from the judgment. If you get thoughts of condemnation that come into your head, they have not come from God and they do not belong to you. They do not need to be received by you because there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Conviction, yes, but condemnation, no. This conviction draws you into life. Condemnation keeps you in death and judgment. <clears throat> We've been redeemed by the blood. The judgment has passed over. Our ownership has changed. Our mindset can shift because God's purpose is to put on display in your life, his excellencies. He has redeemed us. We are redeemed people. And I wanted to share just to finish now, um, something prophetic that I, I felt God put on my heart for us as a church um, coming out of Isaiah chapter 43. I have a feeling that my bookmark might have disappeared from that one as well. Let me flick to it. Isaiah chapter 43. And again, we'll leapfrog a couple of different verses here. Uh, but starting at verse 1 and 
verse 2. Here we are. And I feel like I feel like God is saying this over us. So as I read it out loud, uh, I'm declaring it over you. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. I would feel that God is saying to us, particularly coming out of this uh, pandemic time, uh, out of lockdowns, we, we don't know what the future holds with uh, regard to this pandemic. Hopefully it's, it's on its way out. But no matter what happens, when we walk through the fire, it will not burn us. It is possible for us to come out of this time stronger. There is safety in our redemption, in whose we are. Verses uh, 10 to 12. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no saviour. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I am God. I feel that in this time, God is wanting to remind us of our purpose, remind us of our commissioning. We may have, have found this time harder than any other time in our lives, maybe. But God wants to bring us out of this, remind us that we are his witnesses. He wants to put on display his proclamation of his excellencies through you and your life, which means that the way you navigate tough times reflects on his reputation and he cares about his reputation. He wants to declare to the world his goodness and his love for them by displaying his power through you and how you navigate difficult times. So lean into God, lean into God, get that refreshing going on, which leads me on to verses 18 to 21. Remember not the former things, nor consider the, work, the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. To give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Let me finish with this. Do you know that it is possible for us to come out of this pandemic, not as though we're bruised and battered survivors, barely crawling out of the uh, rubble of what's been brought crashing down around our ears. But as those who have found their strength in him, weathered the storm and having grown in him, ready to move forward into our call to partner with God and bring his redemption into the brokenness of our towns. Guys, we are God's treasured possession. We are a nation of priests ministering to God and to people. That's who we are. That's our identity. Let's own that. Let's step into that. I want to pray for you right now just to receive this. Um, and then we're going to go back into uh, last time of worship. So if you're wanting to partner with, with what God's doing today, I'd love you to, to do some kind of an outward sign that might be holding your hands out or something like that. But just receive this now. God. We just thank you for who you have made us. Thank you that ownership has changed. We are no longer slaves to sin and to death. You have redeemed us by the blood of Jesus. 
And we thank you, Lord, for the power of that blood to deliver us, to bring us into sonship, uh, being your, your adopted children. We, we have that, that place of privilege. We are your treasured possession and we receive that now. We receive afresh that mindset. I break off in Jesus' name any lie that comes against that mindset, that identity of being sonship. Uh, sonship wasn't just about being male. It was about a position that sons held in that time. That's why it was used, uh, which was of being recipients of the inheritors of, uh, of the, the dynasty, the, um, the power and the dominion of, of their, their father. So we are our sons in title, you might say. And we thank you, Lord, that that means that you want to bless us to strengthen us and lead us through difficulties, refresh us as we go through, give us that drink, but you also want to proclaim your excellencies to the world around us. So we just say yes to your calling, yes to your commission, yes to the job you have for us. And I just pray right now, I release your peace in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit. Uh, bring peace into every heart that is troubled. A reminder that you have us, that you protect us, that you provide for us. Bring strength and uh, refreshing right now. And I just ask now for a release of your joy, Lord. It says that uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let us get our strength from rejoicing in you that that is a choice we can make. We have this birthright open to us. So Lord, I pray we choose it. And I just bless every person watching this, every person in KCC and anyone catching us on YouTube as well. Bless them, strengthen them, lead us out into your calling. In Jesus' name. Amen.